Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Hey, Mary Kay edition of the podcast. Questions from our Football Insider subscribers. Um, well, we are definitely into off-season mode fully and completely here. When I look at the questions that we got, uh, Mary Kay, our texters are ready to start talking off-season. So uh, I want to start with this one from Mavro in CBUS. And I think this is a really good topic, obviously, because the Browns are looking to hire an offensive coordinator. I know you've been doing a lot of research on one in particular uh, recently. So Mavro and CBUS says, Hey, Mary Kay, who is your snap pick as of now? Who is your snap judgment on who you would like to see as offensive coordinator? Well, if we're going to stick to the candidates, the guys they've interviewed so far, I really do like Gerard Johnson, the Texans quarterbacks coach. I've done a lot of research on him. I've done some digging and there's just a, a lot to really like about him. Uh, there are a couple things in, per, in particular that I can cite. One is the fact that he's very much into teaching. He loves to teach quarterback fundamentals. He's worked at the Elite 11 with the high school quarterbacks. Uh, he's done several uh, Bill Willis diversity fellows where he's teaching quarterbacks. And he played quarterback at Texas A&M. So he really understands the position. Now, Alex Van Pelt did as well, um, but there, you know, I think that's important. I think it's important to really understand the fundamentals of how to actually play the position. But then the other thing that I like about Gerard Johnson, other than the fact that he did a phenomenal job this year with C.J. Stroud, uh, is the fact that he underwent shoulder surgery when he was at Texas A&M. And he basically had to work his way back from that. He had to alter his throwing motion. He had to pivot and figure out how to how to work his way back from a torn rotator cuff and a torn labrum. Now, that's different than what Deshaun has, although Deshaun did have a strained rotator cuff last year. So he understands all of that, too. Uh, but he understands the psychological and physical aspects of coming back from shoulder surgery. And I think that's going to be important for Deshaun this year, because I think that, you know, most people don't understand that, you know, you might be tentative. You might not know if you can just open it up and let it rip. And, you know, I really think that uh, Gerard Johnson would be fantastic in helping Deshaun with that whole rehab process. 
Yeah. So after we got this question, I, I went back and I wanted to read the story you put up on him yesterday um, with CJ Stroud praising him. And, and then you, you put the stuff in there that Quincy Avery tweeted, who um, like says Deshaun's quarterbacks coach, uh, personal quarterbacks coach. So I'm actually really fascinated by this guy, too. And he seems very much like a Browns hire. You know, he's younger. He's got that, te- you know, like you said, he, he has that teaching kind of penchant. He, he really knows how to, how to do that. Um, there, there is just something that's really fascinating uh, about this guy and, and his background. And it does seem like unless something happens in Houston, right? And that's what we have to monitor. If Bobby Sloat gets a job, does he get an opportunity there to continue working with Stroud? It really does feel like this is a guy that just checks so many boxes for the type of, of coaching hires we've seen. A young, upcoming coach um, to to have an opportunity to work at, at a premier position, really. Yeah, you know, I mean, in the draft, when you're talking about the, the NFL draft, they always say, you know, run the card up. I, I would run the card up for Gerard Johnson. I really would. He is the Browns kind of hire, the kind of guy that you think about, that young up-and-coming rising star. Now, the one thing about Gerard Johnson is that, you know, he might almost be slightly underqualified for an offensive coordinator position because he's so young and so new. But I think if you find the right person, uh, that they can easily grow into the job. And it seems to me that he is the right person for the job. As you mentioned, however, he probably is going to have a very good chance of staying in Houston with C.J. Stroud, whom he's very close to. C.J. Stroud loves him. They've known each other since C.J. was 16 or 17 in high school, performing at the Elite 11 quarterback competition. And he has kind of stuck with C.J. Stroud ever since. He's from Houston. Uh, you know, that that's his hometown. And so there would be a lot of pluses for him to remain in Houston to continue to help develop C.J. I mean, if you were Gerard, and you had an opportunity to stay there and see this through with CJ, who's who you've had since he was 16 or 17 years old, and get him to a Super Bowl, I think he would absolutely love that opportunity. So I don't think it's going to be easy to land him, uh, in part because Bobby Slowick, who did such a tremendous job against the Browns defense in the wildcard game, is going for second interviews with a couple of the teams that he's interviewing with. He's got interest from three teams for a head coaching job right now, and he's getting second interviews with several of them. So he's going to land one of these jobs, and that will create that opening for Gerard Johnson. Now, the only question is, what, does D'Amico Ryans, the head coach of the Texans, believe that Gerard is ready to call the plays and to be that number one guy? Because in Cleveland, he would have the safety net of Kevin Stefanski still there, to collaborate with on calling plays. Now in Houston, if he took over that role, he'd be kind of flying solo for the most part, unless you bring in a senior offensive advisor, which a lot of teams do that. So, you know, that would be one way to go for him. They could bring in a senior offensive advisor. That's basically what the Vikings did when Kevin Stefanski was the play caller for them in 2019. They brought in Gary Kubiak to help him in that role and to help him transition into becoming a really good play caller. So that's something that they could possibly do, but these are all considerations. He's also had uh, an interview with the saints, but if they could get their hands on Gerard, I, I would, this would be, this would be the choice that, that I would make from everything I've read about him. Also the thing that 
to remember is he's already in the Deshaun Watson family. He's already part of the family. So it's alignment for Deshaun. And I think that's important. Deshaun and CJ Stroud are very close. They share the same agent, Athletes First, David Mulugeta. They share the same marketing person. Um, And then you've got Quincy Avery, who, as you mentioned, is Deshaun's quarterback's coach, who's very close to Gerard Johnson. They work together. They coach together at the Elite 11. And, you know, they've kind of worked together with, you know, CJ and, and whatnot. Now, he has not worked with Deshaun Watson, but he's in the Deshaun Watson family. He's also represented um, by Athletes First. So I, I just think there are so many connections here that would make it make sense. But I really, truly believe the the two things for me are the fundamentals, the teaching of the fundamentals and coming off of a shoulder surgery and knowing what that's all about. Just listening to you talk about this, this all feels so very like mid 2000s NBA when all these young guys like LeBron were coming up and like AAU and these you you had agents and shoe companies and uh, all these people kind of connecting with these players at such young ages. And now I, you know, it's interesting. We're seeing that now with this elite 11 stuff and, you know, as that gets more and more, that's been around for a while, but as that gets more and more prominent, we're seeing all of these connections build between agents and quarterback coaches and, and guys coming up in the league. Um, it's, it's just kind of fascinating how the NFL is kind of starting to catch up to, to what the NBA was uh, back then. One other thing here with Gerard Johnson and, and some of these other, you know, Ken Dorsey, some of these other offensive coaches that they're talking to outside of Andy Dickerson, all of this is very quarterback focused, right? That, so it seems like this role that he'd be moving into. And I think that's a, a good point about how if he came here, there would be that safety net if he doesn't have to call plays. It seems like the uh, the offensive coordinator is going to take on the same role that Alex Van Pelt had as far as serving as a quarterback's coach. Am I reading that right? Or do you still think there's room for them to hire a quarterback coach too? I think there's still room for that too. They could decide if they, you know, want him to just have the offensive coordinator role and then give him a quarterback's coach. And if you do that, then maybe that's where you go with maybe a more experienced coach that can kind of guide him and help him a little bit. So there are still many ways that you can go about this. Um, and it just remains to be seen how how that would play out. But we we all know this, that everything is not just quarterback centric, but Deshaun centric, right? I mean, everything needs to be geared around Deshaun, what he does well. It's why Alex Van Pelt is no longer here. They wanted new, fresh ideas at the quarterback position uh, and at the quarterback coach and offensive coordinator. Uh, They want people that understand how to work with a dual threat quarterback. Of course, Gerard Johnson just got done doing that with CJ Stroud for this year. Um, So, I think that's important if you're trying to make sure that Deshaun is comfortable and has everything that he needs, then, you know, you're going to gear these hires directly towards him. And to me for right now, that kind of says Gerard Johnson, but again, they've got other good, good candidates. I mean, I do think that, you know, Ken Dorsey, he was a former Browns quarterback here. Uh, He's worked with, Josh Allen, all those years. I mean, it it was just unfortunate because when you think of Ken Dorsey from this year, you think of, okay, he's the guy that got fired when they were five and five. And then the team kind of took off and everything changed 
and and got better for them. So in some ways, that seems like it would be a bit of a hard sell to try to explain how and why that happened. Um, but the fact remains is they went six and one down the stretch and made it to the divisional round after they fired him. I, I just think that that would be very difficult to, you know, to explain to everyone in your organization. The other the other hire here that's interesting, we didn't get a chance to talk about this on yesterday's pod, but Tommy Reese, when, when we talk about everything, you know, quarterback focused, he's, you know, likely going to end up as the tight ends coach, but he's got a lot of quarterback in his background, not just having played it, but like you look at his, his history, he was a quarterback coach at Notre Dame, quarterback coach at Alabama. So even that hire is, you know, there, there's a quarterback feel to that. There's the hiring of a guy that, and that's a position that I, you know, Kevin likes to put guys in to sort of maybe elevate them later, but like with Drew Petzing, but um, there's, there's even a feel to that of like, let's get another guy in here who, yeah, he's going to coach tight ends, but this is a guy that knows offenses, knows quarterbacks, all of that. It's a very, it's all sort of focused on that position still, I guess. Yeah. And, you know, until all those guys get into place and until we see what their actual titles are and how it's all going to shake out, you know, we don't know. I mean, if they make uh, Tommy Reese assistant head coach offense, you know, I mean, he could be more involved with the quarterback room. He could be helping in that room to help, you know, or the offensive room to help with meetings and things like that. So um, you're right. He's got plenty of, of quarterback coaching experience as well. And, you know, they can put this puzzle together in a number of different ways, but it will all, again, be geared towards maximizing the abilities of Deshaun Watson. Now, you mentioned um, the candidates that we that the Browns are talking to when you answered that last question. But someone had a question, Matt, from Floral Park, New York, uh, about a candidate that they haven't talked to yet. And I'm wondering if there's other names out there that maybe go with this. So Matt asks, hey, Mary Kay, any thoughts about why the Browns have not brought Tim Kelly in for an OC interview yet? And for any listeners that aren't aware, Tim Kelly was Deshaun's offensive coordinator in Houston the last couple of years he was there. I don't know why they have not set up an interview yet with Tim Kelly. Maybe they wanted to get through this Gerard Johnson interview first and see how that went. Sometimes if you want a candidate to know that you're really serious about him and that you want to close the deal and not let him out the door or something, you know, you don't want to have something else in the works yet. So that could be it. I mean, they could be targeting one of these guys, maybe even Gerard, and therefore, you know, they haven't wanted to set anything up yet with anybody else. To this point, from everything I can tell, they don't have an interview yet with Tim Kelly. And I think they were kind of, I, I don't know. I don't know. I know that Tim Kelly is interested in interviewing with the Cleveland Browns. And I know that Deshaun Watson enjoyed working with Tim Kelly. Whether or not that's going to happen remains to be seen. And it could be predicated on what happens with Gerard. So when you mentioned other names, were there other like other names that you thought the Browns might look at or could still look at, um, whether it's related to Deshaun or, or I, you know, a lot of people were throwing out Bill O'Brien's name. Obviously, he's off the table now because he's with Ohio State. But any other names out there like that that you think the Browns could look at or, or might want to? Yeah, I threw three names out in the, the first couple days after Alex Van Pelt, after they parted ways with Alex Van Pelt guys that had really super strong connections with Kevin Stefanski and also 
had some really, really good experience and qualifications. One is Clint Kubiak, the son of Kevin Stefanski's mentor, Gary Kubiak, and he's the uh, passing game coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers working under Kyle Shanahan. There are so many connections there that it, it's almost hard for me to believe that they're not going to interview him, but I haven't heard anything yet as far as setting anything up. And it really doesn't look like it's going to go that way at this point. And then um, similarly, Scott Turner, the son of Norv Turner, another mentor of Kevin Stefanski's, uh, who was the offensive coordinator for the Raiders this past year. Uh, you know, he's another one that I thought maybe would be on the radar. Uh, but once again, nothing set up with him yet. And I've kind of been steered away from, you know, from that notion a little bit as well. And then um, Zach Robinson, the passing game coordinator under Sean McVay, which in my mind, that's a no brainer interview. Like, why wouldn't you want to do that? If you can get some of the Sean McVay magic in your building and, you know, somebody that, that has that kind of play calling prowess and creativity and brilliance on the offensive side of the ball, I would be all over that. So those three names that I threw out there, I thought I was making some really good guesses, but nothing has come from any of those three guys that I just mentioned. And so at this point, I, I don't know if they're on the radar or not. Yeah, the McVeigh thing is interesting. And I'm, I'm stealing this from another podcast I, I heard it on. But like, you know, there were all the jokes about Sean McVeigh and, you know, anybody who even shook his hand would get a coaching interview. But a lot of those guys have worked, right? Like, you know, LaFleur was a McVeigh guy. Um, Zach Taylor has done a decent job. Like, you know, that tree seems to, it seems to bear pretty good fruit. So I, I would certainly talk to anybody who has kind of studied under Sean McVay or worked with Sean McVay for sure. And he's a former quarterback as well. So, um, so it just, it seems like it would make sense to me uh, to bring him in for an interview and he is making his rounds. He's getting some really nice interviews. I don't know why they would not have interviewed him. I that that one to me would have been one of the first phone calls I would have made. Okay, the topic du jour on uh, the coaching search. This comes from uh, let me find it here from Paul in Cuyahoga Falls. Uh, hey Mary Kay, as you noted, it will be difficult for the Browns to keep Bill Callahan from joining his son uh, in Tennessee. In addition to Scott Peters, could have recently interviewed Andy Dickerson also be a candidate for the possible vacancy? You know, I suppose it's possible. Once again, when you bring guys into your building for interviews, the way that it all shakes out might not be exactly the way you originally intended. So they brought him in for an OC interview, but if Bill Callahan leaves and he doesn't get an OC job somewhere else, maybe he becomes the offensive line coach, you know, whatever, with something tacked on to that. Um, it, it's hard to say, but um, I do think that... Um, you know, that's a possibility. You know, that is a possibility. They do have Scott Peters who worked for four years under Bill Callahan, learning the Bill Callahan way. And there has to be something to be said for that, to have all that Callahan wisdom rubbing off on you. But, um, but you know, Andy Dickerson is an experienced, you know, offensive line coach in his own right, not just an assistant. And so he's a little bit above Scott Peters at this point. And if you really, really like him and they must've liked him well enough, he was the first guy they interviewed for offensive coordinator. Then I would have to think that he would be, you know, in line for something. And again, you, you know, you look at, this is sort of what we talked about with Gerard Johnson. Um, 
you know, a young guy, he's 41 years old. Um, he went to Tufts. I'm trying to remember. I feel like there was, there's another Browns coach on the staff that went to Tufts. I can't remember off the top of my head, but, um, you know, a young guy and, you know, that take this for what you will. I watched a mic'd up segment when the Browns interviewed him that, uh, the Seahawks or NFL.com had put up and you, you hear that kind of teaching mentality that, you know, the way he talks to guys and relates to guys and, and you kind of in that small video clip, you kind of pick up on some of that. So I, I think even he kind of checks that box of like younger coach does have a fair amount of experience for only being 41 and, you know, a teacher, like exactly the type of guy that they're looking for on this staff. Yeah. I mean, when you bring somebody in and once again, they're one of the first people that you talk to, then you have seen something in that particular coach, because, you know, these are our coaches. These coaches are people that you have had your eye on in some cases for years that you may have not gotten to interview previously for some reason, uh, but, but you met them somewhere or somebody has a great connection with them or somebody has seen something in them. You know, if you're going to bring a guy in, then you're pretty darn serious about that coach. And they have some of the qualifications that you really like. And as you mentioned, they're very big on teaching here. They're very big on fundamentals. How often have we watched Bill Callahan coach the fundamentals of offensive line? I mean, and most of us could stare at that for hours because it's like, it's so technical and it's so fascinating, uh, you know, just to watch how he can take a Dewan Jones and mold this big piece of clay who who was not ready at all for the pro experience when he came in for rookie mini camp and get him to the point where he played at an incredibly high level at right tackle this season in place of Jack Conklin. That's what you get from a guy like a Bill Callahan. And if they think that, you know, that Andy Dickerson has some of those same fundamentals and teaching qualities, then, you know, then that says a lot. Just to get an interview here, I think um, it, it really says a lot because these guys put so much time and effort into their staff members and they really vet them and they don't just go with their old cronies. And I mean, if they did, you know, then we probably would be seeing Clint Kubiak here immediately. And we would be seeing Scott Turner here and we would be, you know what I mean? Like they have a certain set of criteria and they are, they are sticking to it. And going back to that Callahan point, um, you know, when we were at the Greenbrier, we were a little limited as, as to where we could go, but I was sitting in the bleachers one day, right where the offensive linemen were working and, you know, just watching him, not just, I mean, we're not just talking about Joel and Wyatt and Ethan and the star. I mean, he was spending as much time on guys that weren't even going to make the 53 man roster as he was, you know, with some of the starters and, and the all pros. And, and that speaks also to how the Browns have been so successful with that, that next man up mentality too. Like, they really do, you know, Bill kind of is a tone setter. He really does spend as much time teaching that technique and working that technique with guys. It's it's really, if if he stays and you're a Browns fan going to training camp, go watch Bill Callahan coach the offensive line if if you get that opportunity. It's it's really interesting to watch. Well, in addition to that, I mean, we talk about a guy like Dewan Jones, but he also got Jedrick Wills, who has taken a beating, you know, out there in the, uh, you know, social media world and whatnot. And he got Jedrick Wills playing at a really high level before he suffered his season ending knee injury this year to the point where he was in the top 10 in uh, pass block win rate, according to ESPN analytics. 
And that's really saying something. I, I looked at those rankings almost every week for like the five weeks before Jed got hurt. And he was right up there. And that's pretty remarkable because people like to give Jed, you know, a lot of grief, but not always warranted when it comes to uh, the grades that he received. And then think about Ethan Posick, right? I mean, he took Ethan Posick, who was a no-name guy, and turned him into one of the best centers in the NFL. That's the Bill Callahan effect. And if a lot of that has rubbed off onto Scott Peters, then the Browns will be in great shape because they'll have, you know, Bill Callahan light. But, you know, it's a it's a tough act to follow the Bill Callahan, uh, you know, coaching experience. And I have to think that his son, Brian, who has stated in the past that he would love to work with his dad, if he wants Bill to come and work for him in his first year as a head coach of the Titans, then I, you know, I cannot see the Browns saying, no, we're not, we're not going to let you out of your contract, Bill. You have to stay here. I mean, that would not make sense to do that. You just wouldn't do that to a well-respected coach like Bill Callahan uh, and prevent him from going and working with his son. Yeah, I agree. That's that's just bad business. You know, if, if right. you did that. A, it's a not the Browns way. Too. Yeah, and a veteran guy like Bill, you just don't do that to, to a guy like that. Uh, by the no. way, Ben Bloom went to Tufts. That's the guy I was thinking of. There the, you go. The Tufts Jumbos. So there the we Tufts go. Tufts Jumbos? The Tufts Jumbos. Their mascot Who is knew? An, ele- it's an elephant. So there we go. I did not know that that was their their name, Dan. That's very interesting. I, Speaking of Ben Bloom, Dan, Ben <laughs> Bloom, who we really enjoy talking yeah. to and interviewing, uh, you know, they interviewed somebody else for his job. So, you know, who knows what's even going to happen with Ben Bloom. But I would have to think if you have interviewed somebody for his job, that he's either not going to be here or he's going to be reassigned in some way, or at least that's been discussed. Okay, we're going to take a break. We've got some roster questions on the other side. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, the Hey Mary Kay edition of the podcast. Before we continue here, if you like food and drink and who doesn't, we're breaking new ground with our lively new podcast about dining and drinking in greater Cleveland. Hosts Josh Duke and Alex Darris crackle with their fun talk about the latest foodie happenings joined by the most in the know experts in town mark bona paris wolf and peter chikarian it's called dine drink cle and you can find it anywhere you download podcasts give it a listen and get your mouth watering again that's dine drink cle all right let's talk a little free agency here this also comes from paul in cuyahoga falls hey mary Kay, with wide receiver being a priority this offseason do you see the browns pursuing Bengals wide receiver T Higgins. And if so, what are the chances of stealing him away? You know what? I think they need to have their eye on any of those really, really good quality receivers that are due to become free agents. And if they could steal steal him away from the Bengals, I think it would be tremendous. They need a few more guys like that. They need a, a couple of 
1,000 yard ready or Pro Bowl caliber type receivers to come onto this team. We don't 100% know exactly how it's going to shake out with Amari Cooper. We know they love Amari, uh, but there could be a chance that they, you know, that they have to rework his contract. Um, and so I think he'll be here at, you know, at maybe a restructured contract, but I still think they need another guy like that. I mean, if you really want to push this team over the top into deep into the playoffs, and of course we all know what the goal is, you know, if you want to go all the way, then you're going to need to have more weapons than you do right now. And um, so I would go for a, a T Higgins. I would go for a Calvin Ridley. I would think about trading for a Devonte Adams. I would do everything I possibly could to get my hands on that next Pro Bowl caliber receiver. And you know we're going to hear all those names, but we we mentioned this on another pod. You got to keep an eye on what Andrew does in the trade market as as well. If he, you know, uses that second round pick again to to go get another wide receiver like he did with Elijah Moore last year. Um, I f- I think I, you know, I haven't done a lot of studying up on this draft class. It seems like it's a pretty deep wide receiver class, but I also don't think you want to go that route, you know, as for your number two receiver, especially cause you don't have a first round pick. If you could get one of those top guys, maybe you would, but if you're relying on a second round pick to draft a guy, I don't think that's the route. So it, it does feel like almost inevitable. And Andrew, usually if we identify a pretty glaring need, Andrew Barry usually finds a way to address it. Like he, he's not real. He's somewhat predictable in that sense. If we're all saying they need a receiver, there's a pretty good chance he's sitting in his building saying the same thing and they'll make some kind of move to get a receiver. Well, not only that, um, you know, they have still a couple of guys where, again, there are question marks. There's a question mark about Amari Cooper just because of the contract. Uh, As far as Elijah Moore is concerned, uh, you know, is he going to be able to take that next step up with Deshaun Watson as his quarterback and become that number two uh, productive guy that they really need him to be in terms of scoring the football and making those difficult catches downfield? And I don't think they really were able to maximize the talents and abilities of Elijah Moore because of all the, the quarterback changes and issues. But, you know, there's probably more to him than he was able to show this year. I'm sure the Browns feel that way. Mm. Um, And I, you know, I'm guessing that they believe that they can elevate his performance next year, but I still think they need someone else. I I don't think uh, that they should count on that. And I don't think they should count on Mm. drafting receiver uh, with that second round pick because it's never a sure bet. It's just never a sure bet. And sometimes it takes them a while to come in and be all they can be. And, you know, a lot of times with the first round picks, you know, especially SEC first round receivers, you know, they can step in to the NFL and excel right away. But with a lot of the other guys, it takes them a little bit of time and you don't want to, you know, put all your eggs in that basket. Okay. Here's another question about a, a position need. This comes from Mike Parker in Chester, Maryland. Hey, Mary Kay. In my opinion, the Browns running game was mediocre after the loss of Nick Chubb. Although Kareem Hunt, Kareem Hunt was outstanding in short yardage situations. Jerome Ford was hit and miss. He had too many negative carries. Uh, long, long question short here. Do you think the Browns will try to add a couple of running backs in the draft given the current roster and the uncertainty of Nick Chubb's injury situation? You know, I think they're at least going to have to look at it. But I would have to think that Jerome's performance this year is in some way tied to the fact that they felt they needed a new running backs coach. I have to believe that they feel they did not get enough out of who they thought was going to be 
their replacement for Nick Chubb moving forward. Uh, so, you know, we'll have to see how that shakes out. Now they have interviewed Deuce Staley. It's a little bit on hold right now. It's a little bit up in the air at, at this moment. It might be resolved quickly and he will be on board, but there's just the tiniest bit of a holding pattern for that at the moment. And uh, I don't know if he's coming or not just yet. And if he does, it might take a little while, but anyways, um, I think they're looking for new fresh ideas and a way to pull more out of Jerome Ford. But I still think that they are going to have to hedge their bets and have other running backs that, that can step into that position and play really well. I don't know if they're going to bring back Kareem Hunt. I mean, the one thing we all know that Kareem does extremely well is score touchdowns, and there's plenty to be said for that. He scored nine rushing touchdowns this year, and he had the only two touchdowns in the wild card game. Uh, he's got a nose for the end zone, and again, there's a lot to be said for that. But on a down-for-down down basis, I don't know if, if they're going to be ready to bring him back uh, to be part of their running back committee, if that's how it works. Um, and and who knows what's going to happen in the early going with Nick Chubb. Now, nobody ever bets against Nick Chubb. We've all seen him come back and defy all the odds at Georgia. Uh, so we'll have to see how this goes this time around. But, um, you know, I, I just think you need to protect yourself in the running back room. Yeah, and I liked Jerome Ford. I thought he did a nice job. But, I you know, I, I do think you want to hedge a little bit there just in case if he's I don't know if he's a guy that can actually be in Nick Chubb's role but he's got some big play ability and he is fast that there's no mm -hmm. doubt about that and with Kareem Hunt the role they had him in was perfect for him but I don't know how much money you put towards that role so it might just mm -hmm. depend what Kareem can find out there but I, I could see a world where Kareem again kind of goes into free agency maybe doesn't see exactly what he wants and it turns out coming back to Cleveland was is, is the right option again. I, I actually think how everything went down over the last year and a half probably ended up being good for Kareem. It kind of made him appreciate, <laughs> appreciate, I shouldn't say appreciate Cleveland because I think he's always loved Cleveland, but just appreciate the situation here maybe a little more than, than he did when he was starting to request trades and, and kind of wanted out. Yeah. And they, they really appreciated what he gave to the team this year. When Nick went down, he stepped in and played a very, very large role for them. And he was a major reason why they were able to keep this thing rolling along and get to the playoffs. I mean, without, without those nine touchdowns, you're not getting there. Right. I mean, he uh, was very instrumental in scoring the football and they're there. You know, that's important. There's a lot to be said for that. So I think that, I mean, he would be welcome he would be welcome back. Uh, sometimes it's just a matter of working out the money and those kinds of things. But, um, you know, he certainly loves to play here for his hometown team. He wants to be part of a, a Super Bowl victory here. He wants to be back. We know that for sure. Uh, and it's just a matter of how they view him just in terms of being part of the running back by committee. And, and he was such a great weapon for, you know, a coach like Kevin that likes to be aggressive on fourth downs. He was a, mm -hmm. just a great weapon. I mean, I remember in Denver – he leapt over Joel Batonio and, you know, I mean, he's just, mm -hmm. he's going to, you need a yard. He's going to get you that yard. And that's, that's yes. really valuable. I, I don't know how many drives he sustained this year. It would actually be interesting to see 
somebody needs to do this for me. I'm not going to commit to doing this. But if somebody out there wants to do this, go find how many drives Kareem Hunt sustained this year that ended up in scores, field goals or touchdowns or anything like that. I'm sure I'm sure he accounted for more points than just those nine touchdowns. We can get our analytics team on that, Dan. There we go. We need a <laughs> we need a Cleveland.com stats and info team. That's what we, need. <laughs> we do. But no, that, no, you're right about that. I mean, you know, he does bring that kind of value and he keeps the chains moving and uh, he gets those tough, especially short yards. And, you know, he knows, he knows how to find the end zone and he can catch the ball out of the backfield. He can block, he can pick up the blitz. So he brings value at the right price. So we'll see how it goes. All right, we're going to wrap this one up with a softball. It comes from uh, the 828 area code. Hey, Mary Kay, when is Kevin Stefanski getting an extension? Sometime soon. I really think sometime soon. I think once they get uh, their offensive staff figured out, then I think they will turn their attention to extending Kevin. And maybe somehow it coincides with him uh, earning his second NFL Coach of the Year honors, which I believe is probably going to happen on February 8th at the NFL Honors Show in Las Vegas. I think that's going to happen. So maybe it's kind of all tied together in sort of a Kevin feel-good way. Uh, but certainly you heard Andrew Berry rave and rave and rave about him yesterday. And uh, that says extension to me all over it. I wonder how big of a deal they are going to make out of it because Kevin doesn't like to be the center of attention. And Mm -hmm. I, I do wonder if he says something like, Hey, you know, let's keep things a little low key or let's, you know, let's not go too crazy with this because he really does like to deflect to his players and his, his other coaches. And, and he's, he doesn't like to be like the focus of everything. And I I think that's genuine. I, I think that's, I don't think that's an act. I think that's kind of real, Kevin. Yeah, it is. And, you know, it might coincide with an extension for Andrew Barry. I mean, maybe they do them both together and Kevin wouldn't have to be in that spotlight all by himself because he doesn't like that. But he's going to have to get used to it over the next couple of weeks because he is going to be uh, probably coach of the year again. Now, of course, uh, you know, right at he was probably – almost neck and neck with D'Amico Ryans for that. And and D'Amico is an excellent candidate for it as well. Uh, And if they had extended the voting beyond the wildcard round, then, you know, then D'Amico would have gotten it. But just so people understand the voting took place before the playoffs began, began. And I think Kevin was firmly in the lead at that point. Not to turn this into an anti Kevin podcast, because I do think he he deserves the award, but I also think there's other coaches too, that, you know, Sean McVay, did a great job. That's a guy we mentioned earlier. And this was somebody that I threw out in the media room yesterday, just out of curiosity. What about John Harbaugh? He's done yeah, you an did amazing throw that job out. this year. Yeah, you did throw that out. And I think the only reason why someone like that doesn't normally come to mind is because usually you think of coach of the year as someone who did something completely unexpected and either turned the team around or in the case of Kevin Stefanski, made the playoffs after they lost their starting quarterback and their starting running back and were down to their fourth and fifth tackles and their fourth quarterback. You know, something extraordinary like that, or the kind of turnaround that D'Amico Ryans had from, I think they had three victories the year before. So, um, so yeah, that's usually why you don't think of the John Harbaugh's, but it, it really shouldn't be that way either because – to sustain success like that, that's hard. It's hard to do that. 
And, you know, to, to have your team playing in the, at that extraordinarily high level year after year after year, uh, you know, that's a sign of an amazing coach. So I agree with you. He deserves consideration, too. Anyway, Kev- Kevin's going to win it. I agree with you yeah. on that. I, th- I think it's safe to say Kevin's going to win it. Um, and he deserves it. I don't want to, I'm not trying to take away from what he did this year, going through five quarterbacks. Um, yeah. Although I don't know if we want to count Jeff Driscoll that much, four quarterbacks. And, mm-hmm. you know, getting this team to the playoffs was a really impressive job. And he'll get that. And he'll get his extension. It'll all be well deserved. So. Uh, yeah, there we go. All right, that'll do it for this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Uh, all those questions came from Football Insider subscribers. It's cleveland.com slash browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. Uh, find us on Instagram. Go hit that follow button. Search Orange and Brown Talk. And find us on YouTube. Search Cleveland Browns on cleveland.com. And, of course, just make sure you subscribe to this podcast if you're not already on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Mary Kay, I'll talk to you later. Sounds great. Sounds great.